0: Yo, what's up, baby? This is Burt Watson, and you're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters, baby. The best sports podcast on the internet. The only one I know. Your night, your fight, you need to get it right and listen to Pro
1: Sports Podcasters all night long. Boom. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left
2: behind.
0: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters.
1: hey and welcome back to the
0: pro sports podcasters i'm one half your host today justin williams and you know i'm never alone i have the guy the man the myth the legend the one that makes my voice sound good the one that writes all the nft articles and if you're not subscribed please go to prosportspodcasters.com and sign up for our newsletter ladies and gentlemen please welcome the man who traveled the whole world during march break kobe how you doing
1: i'm all right except i got the chilean flu
0: yeah, I heard you. You're sounding kind of sick, but you're looking good, except you like broke your Achilles. So you like, tore your heel or something?
1: Yeah, I snapped my Achilles while I was out there as well. So uh, 100, 100. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're doing so well. Well, the, the guest we have today, he's from the MMA world. So I'm sure he knows a lot about broken bones, dislocated things, and probably shattered egos too. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tyson Chartier. Tyson, how you doing?
2: Not bad. What's up, guys?
0: Uh, I mean, well, Kobe's not up. He's pretty much just laying horizontal for. <laughs>
1: yeah, how do you how do you break your <laughs> heel? Uh, I tore my Achilles. Uh, it's it's a, it's, a diff- it's hard to explain, but whales were involved.
2: Oh wow! <laughs>
0: <laughs> he told me he picked a fight with uh, one of their Magna Madoffs and got him <laughs> well, in a heel hey, hook.
2: got That won't end well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're a returning member of the show, we'd love to have you back, but for those who maybe don't know who you are or are just new to our show, tell the fans, what is it you do?
2: So, uh, I, I run a fight team, a mixed martial arts fight team called the New England Cartel. And, um, you know, some local guys, some guys fight in the UFC. And then I also have a, uh, a management company where I manage MMA fighters as well, called Top Game Management.
0: Interesting. So who do you have in the UFC?
2: Uh, Rob Font, Calvin Cater, um, both those guys are ranked in the top ten in their respective divisions. Nick Fiore is in the UFC, and then I have a bunch of other uh, like local guys that are like ranked, you know, regionally that are you know younger prospects on the up, like um, Connor Matthews, Tom Pagliarulo, Brendan Murat, you know, guys like that. So yeah, a lot of New England based guys. There
0: you go. I know Rob Font used to deliver pizzas. I feel like I remember yep. that story. Yeah. Okay. That's the right person. Brilliant. And for your management team, do you manage those exact same ones as
2: well? Yeah. All the guys I coach, I also manage. And then I have, you know, other fighters. I probably have like 35 fighters total that I manage. Um, Other UFC fighters like Parker Porter, he's out of Connecticut. Um, Emily Decody, she, well, she's not ranked anymore. She was ranked. She's a female fighter in the UFC. And then um, a bunch of regional, regional um, Northeast based fighters, I think we got like six or seven in the UFC right now, one in the PFL, and then a bunch of prospects that are like on the way up.
0: So is part of your job, aside from probably having two different phones or at least two different numbers, uh, do you have to sit in on the negotiation for contract fights?
2: Yeah. I and mean, that's, you know, that really is your primary responsibility as an agent is um, negotiating the contracts. First of all, trying to get the the guys or the girls, the, into the UFC or PFL or Bellator or whatever. And then once they're there, you know, negotiating the contracts, whether, you know, it's pretty standard when you first get in. So you're really just trying to get an at-bat. But then yeah. once you're there, then you're the one that negotiates for them uh, moving forward when they're going to negotiate new contracts.
0: Ooh, I have so many questions. But before I do that, I'm going to
1: pass it off to Kobe. Ah, Tyson, got to ask you, man. I, with the number of new sort of spinoff combat sports happening, you got things like Gary Knuckle Fighting, Now you have this slap fight competition. Are those things that you're looking at getting into the business side of?
2: No, I mean, bare knuckle, I think, you know, there's some guys. Bare knuckle right now seems to be like the thing you do when you're done MMA. Yeah. You can kind of go over there and make a few bucks or whatever if that's what you feel like doing. That's definitely not my focus. Then slap fighting, it's so new and – I just can't wrap my head around it. You know, it's not something that I'm I'm partaking in, but I got to obviously tread lightly on that because, you know, the powers that be, you know, obviously are involved in that. So it's like, I'm just going to stay away from that topic. But um, I also have, uh, you know, I've I've worked with some kickboxers, guys that were in glory, but now like next Saturday in Miami, uh, April 1st, uh, Karate Combat, that's a new league. Um, I have, I managed one of their champions, Ross Levine. So he's the main event next weekend, defending his title. So we'll be down in Miami watching that. Um, that's pretty interesting. It's like a lot of karate based guys, but they're kind of kickboxing with also quick takedowns and you can punch them for like three seconds on the ground. So it's a a new concept of a combat sport, which is, you know, real, it's real interesting. And they fight in like a pit and it's interesting, but yeah, you're definitely seeing a lot of like different things pop up and new ideas and um new ways for some of these guys to make money i don't agree with all of them but some of them are pretty interesting now hold on you've piqued my interest with this karate combat thing where, where can you watch that dude i don't even know like I, it's i think it's like they stream it on their youtube channel okay um, let me look on their instagram because it should be all
0: i'm right. actually looking at it right now so <clears throat> if you go to how to watch on the uh the channel it is through their youtube
2: Okay, okay. so it's yeah. free to watch yep i'll yeah. be i'll be there with um the whole New England cartel team, like there's like 10 of us flying out on Friday. Um, Ross will fly out Wednesday, mm-hmm. but then uh, we're all going to go there Friday, uh, Saturday to watch his fight. We'll be in Miami because we're going to be there for UFC 287, which is April 8th. So we're flying out early with Rob Font and the whole team, and then we're going to go to support Ross and watch his fight on the 1st.
1: Uh, okay. Okay. Well, that sounds cool, man.
0: Yeah, so back to uh, karate. I actually I got my black belt in Goju Karate many years ago. It took me fourteen years of hard training and a dislocated shoulder, but it was worth it because nice. my dojo wasn't a factory. I didn't know what a factory was until somebody was like, "I got my belt <laughs> in three years," and Kobe's yeah. like, "That's a factory," and I was like,
1: "Or a factory? Cool. You can you can actually figure out how much a belt costs like that? That's yeah. that's a factory."
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't for thousand dollars
1: you get a black belt. <laughs> yeah,
0: yo, well, my man. buddy played. Uh, so my buddy from Ukraine paid for his degree, like he he went to like some like illegal weapon not legal website, some like Chinese website paid for a degree he didn't finish because of the war and now he has a job in that field he was only a first year student so you know what if it works for you <laughs> it fucking work like how it's just so funny because they're not going to verify being like the University of Kiev is just blown up right now right uh, do you have the following no you don't he's just like I swear I graduated as an accountant all oh, right that's I,
1: awesome
0: I mean good on him I mean, it's yeah, at least worked, we can do
1: work the system man.
0: Honestly, I'm kind of jealous, but also not. But moving forward. Way uh, way speaking, of, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> speaking of jealousy, um, so when you go into a contract negotiation, yeah, so you've done with UFC, PFL, have you done a contract negotiation with Bellator before? Yeah. Okay. So out of the three is it like the same style or do they all have their different approaches i'm not going to ask which one is kind of hard to negotiate because i feel like that's kind of muddying the waters but i just want to know if they all have like a similar approach or like a different approach
2: it's very similar you know like it's it's goods and services like what are you providing what is it worth it's it's you know there's there's wants and needs you know like sometimes they have all the leverage sometimes you do you know every single negotiation is unique in itself. Cause it's a unique situation. It's a unique fighter, unique circumstances, unique opponents. So like, there's always like extenuating circumstances, which require you having to kind of have egg on your face or understanding that you have a little bit of leverage, but then not trying to abuse that leverage because they'll remember that in the next negotiation. So it's just really like the best negotiations or the best deals are ones where both sides come out feeling like they, They compromised a little bit but they got what they wanted Mm -hmm. and i think is that's always the goal is like get everything i can get for the fighter but don't like try to you know smush the cigarette or put out the cigarette so to speak you know you know put your foot in their throat and squash it around a little bit because they're going to remember that the next one so you want like good honest fair negotiations every time because you want to be you want to be like remembered as like, all right, Tyson might negotiate. Cause there's a lot of managers that don't negotiate. They just go in and be like, what do you want to pay us? Okay, thank you. And then they'll explain to their fighter why that's all they could get, but they don't actually negotiate. Uh, and there's a common misconception in the MMA world that like, oh, managers don't negotiate. They just really like relay information. And and that is true for for some of them. But I think there's a sweet spot where you can negotiate and also, not be uh unprofessional and not be unrealistic with your expectations and that comes with like knowing the market knowing your fighter's value knowing kind of where they're at knowing like where the opponent's at knowing the ufc's needs or bellator's needs or pillar needs and and then your fighters needs and like factoring all that into like knowing when to just say yes to a good offer knowing when to say no to a bad offer and knowing when you got wiggle room either way and and, and leverage that to get what's like the best deal so i, I don't know it's like to answer your question, like they're they're all the same, but they're all different too, you know? It's just mm-hmm. it's just like back when I was in tech sales, you know, negotiation is a negotiation, you know? Um, sometimes people are gonna be reasonable, other times they're not going to be, and you know, you can't always predict that, but the end result is do, do whatever you can do to try to get the best deal, but don't be unrealistic and lose credibility in future deals by like, trying to act like you should get something that you don't deserve.
0: That's kind of what we were taught to when I used to work in engineering. I wasn't part of the sales department, but the sales would come over to me and be like, how much did this cost? And how much do you think we can inflate the price by? And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess do your thing. Um, so you've represented people who have titles, bef- like who, who wear a championship belt. Yes.
2: Well, like on the local scene and like in the, like we just redid Ross's, con- uh, con- uh, Ross's contract for karate combat to defend his title. So we just did a new contract for that. and that probably took like. It took about three months to finalize you know because they're a new organization they're yeah. not used to you know a lot of people that they're dealing with don't even have agents it's kind of karate fighters that just kind of go in. so i think we were one of the first bigger negotiations to come across like renegotiations like for a champion for them so that was a process but it, you know went well um but yeah no I, i've negotiated title language in ufc contracts but i've never actually had a champion yet
0: Okay. because I was going to ask, are the title contenders or champions, their contracts, are they kind of like a longer negotiation or is it more of like kind of a quick snap kind of deal?
2: No, even when you get to that level, a lot of it is standard. Like they'll be like, all right, first time title challenger in this division's generally getting this, you know? Mm -hmm. So like a lot of the times it's about negotiating your way to getting that at bat, you know, and then like a lot of times, like, you know, you cut the top 10 and then you're going to get a new deal or whatever, then you, you negotiate a new deal And they'll, a lot of times if they think you're close enough, they'll insert title language into that. Like, all right, well, if you fight for a title, this is what you're getting paid. If you win the championship, this is what you're getting paid. And so that's all taken care of ahead of time. That way you don't come to, which is smart because now you're not fighting for like a contender fight and then coming out of that. And then there's some sort of contract dispute when you're about to fight for a title because that's just a holdup that, you know, an unforeseen um, hiccup that they don't really want or need and neither does the fighter so you you just do that all ahead of time and then once you become a champion then you can renegotiate and stuff like that like that's all situational you know you see some champions renegotiate early some are happy with their contract everything you know based on circumstances but yeah a lot of times before you even get to that contender fight you'll already have a contract that has title language in it
0: oh that's so interesting i never thought of that bet us sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting
1: with sports betting Live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available
0: across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus.
1: Yeah, Tyson, let's talk about one of your top fighters. Let's talk about Rob Font. Hey. How, how many fights are left on his contract?
2: I think we're halfway through our deal right now. I think we got like three left. Yeah, I think we got three got con- three fights left. So this will be the four of six.
1: Okay, so he finds himself in a tough situation. He's... Come off back to back losses for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. I'm a Rob Font fan. I've been following him from the very beginning, and I told everyone in their dog that he was going to beat Jose Aldo, and he, he let me down. <laughs> How important is it for him to bounce back in this next fight, and where's his mind at, as far as you know?
2: You know, it's, it's tough because you can get down on yourself for losing two fights in a row, but then you go and look at who you lost to. You know, Jose Aldo is probably on the Mount, Rushmore of MMA, and then mm-hmm. Cheeto Vera you know, we caught Cheeto Vera on the hottest streak he was ever on. You know, he's a top five fighter. You know, he didn't look great last weekend, but he was fighting another stud too, you know? So it's it's like, how, how down on yourself do you get for losing to two top guys? And if you look in the way he did it, it's like, he kind of, he won the fights but lost the big moments. And that was like the mistake, you know? He got caught with some big punches that he didn't wear well. You know, we had some tough weight cuts and it's just, you know, we can make excuses all we want, but the reality is like, Rob looked good in parts of those fights, but didn't get the W, Mm -hmm. but we didn't come out of those fights thinking like, okay, Rob's not good enough to win these fights. We need to revamp something because Rob's not good enough to beat these guys. It's like, we left a fight with Jose Aldo, who, like I said, is probably one of the best all time to ever do it at 145. And now we're fighting him at 35. And we left that fight saying like, oh, we know we can beat him. We just didn't do it tonight and um you know keeping that in mind you know we go into this camp rob's had a year off we rested his head You know, he got lumped up in both those fights took some heavy shots so we tried to rest them you know heal recover and then you know inch you know kind of slowly walk our way back into full contact training and um now we're coming in fighting you know a young prospect it's not necessarily about like a bounce back because i think if you looked at those last two performances yeah they're losses but we did some great things in those fights against great fighters mm-hmm. so it's really just more about like not as much of a bounce back as it is building off what we did in those two fights but mitigating this mistakes that we made and trying to fill those holes so we don't make those same mistakes because if we go out there and fight the same as we did against cheeto and aldo but just don't make a few of those mistakes we're gonna look great
1: you know 100 percent, and it's got to feel a little different because in those last two fights you're talking like you said these are top level fighters, marquee matchups, Yanez would be seen as like taking a step up to fight Rob Font. So in this situation, he's kind of expected to win. Does that that change the mindset?
2: I don't think so. I mean, we're an underdog. You know, I think we're a plus 145 underdog. So I don't think there's too many people expecting us to win.
1: I expect you to win.
2: Yeah, you know, and obviously we expect this one. So I think it's it's nice when the odds come out like that and you're like, okay, I'm going to show these people, you know, you get a little yeah. chip on your shoulder and you're like, all right, we get to prove everybody that I'm still here. You know, but that's how the sport works. You know, it's like when you're on the way up, you know, we beat Marlon Marais when we were coming off an ACL surgery in a year layoff, sitting at number 11 or 12, and we got to fight Marlon Marais, who was number three, mm-hmm. and we knocked him out in the first round, and now all of a sudden we're number three. You know, that's kind of what, and then now we were number three, We beat Cody Garbrandt and then we ran into Jose Aldo. And, you know, we got to do that. Then we had to fight Cheeto. We lost. And now it's like the next guy who's not, you know, in the, you know, right outside the top 10, he gets his turn to try to knock off the top five guy, you know, or I think we're six now. But whatever it is, like, you know, these young guys coming up, they get their turn. So you go from being the young, hungry prospect trying to get their shot to now you got to defend your spot. And that's two very different things. But I think it's a lot easier like kind of defending your spot from a mindset standpoint, knowing that like, all right, I'm an underdog. People are kind of counting me out. Like it's almost less pressure that way. Yeah. But if you're like a heavy, heavy you – know, the reality is we are favorites against Jose Aldo and Cheeto Vera. You know, like that, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that being like, oh, man, I'm fighting Jose Aldo, one of the scariest strikers in the world that's ever done MMA. And, and people are expecting me to like walk through them, you know. So now you kind of shift gears and think like, okay, like these people think I don't have it. Let's go freaking prove them wrong.
1: Yeah, so that, that's something I wanted to, to bring up with you. It seems like there are some fighters who can take losses, but it doesn't affect their marketability. And I, someone like a Michael Chandler comes to mind in that situation. And then there are other fighters who take a loss, and it significantly hurts their appeal. Most of that is tied into social media. As a manager, do you handle their social media to a certain degree?
2: no like i help them with sponsors like i remind them to do sponsored posts i check on and make sure they're doing them right and stuff like that and i just kind of nudge them like hey guys make sure we're posting but mm-hmm. it, it's like it all has to be organic you know like if they're out there i don't i'm not one of those managers that has the logins and i go and post for these guys because half the time you know like that's not them posting you know yeah. you know it's the manager there's certain managers that are no notorious for that and um you know, I just tell them to be organic, like make sure you're posting content. Cause if you're not going to promote yourself, why would anybody promote you? You know? So I just stay on top of them from that aspect, but I don't log into their stuff or, or make them post or anything like that.
1: Okay.
0: No, no. Fair enough, man. Man. I could talk about Rob font all day. This guy, like loved the whole backstory of him being a pizza guy and everything like that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, anyways, appreciate that. So with everything coming down, so you're going to represent, uh, so First it's your friend or your client, I can't remember his name, over in the Karate Combat. Then there's Rob Fonts. And then who is your next fighter on the roster that you'll be with for their next main event?
2: Uh the next fight after that that we currently I mean there's gonna be a bunch of other scheduled like CS has a card May twelfth in Beverly Mass. I'll probably load that up. Right now we're working on who's gonna get their names on that. Probably Benamarat will fight on that couple other guy, William Knight, he just got released from the UFC. He'll fight on that card. You know, I'll, 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 I'll probably end up having four or five guys on that card. Um, but the next, like, national card that I'll have someone fighting on is um, uh, April 22nd. I got Carlos Candelario. I'll be going out to Vegas to corner him. That's in the UFC. He's 0-2 in the UFC, looking to kind of bounce back. And then April 29th, I won't be there because I'm going to be on um, – a family vacation, but Emily Ducote out of Oklahoma city, she's fighting her third UFC fight. She's one and one. She was ranked. She's not anymore. And she's fighting a girl that was also previously ranked. They were both ranked when they got to the fight, but then other fights happened and people jumped them. But, um, Emily's Emily's a stud. So she'll fight April 29th in Vegas. And then the next time I'll go back out to Vegas will be, may 20th for nick fiore he's 0 one in the ufc but he trains with us full time at the cartel Um, he'll go out for his second ufc fight he just made his ufc debut on three weeks notice back in january so now this time we'll get a full camp to go out there and show what he's really made of
0: i'm excited for that because i think i did see his uh his debut i've I've watched a lot of mma in the past yeah he fought like this
2: stud of a freaking debuter and uh this polish kid um matthias rebecki the kid was 16 and one out of europe and he was like 14 finishes over like high level guys and here nick is his six and zero, and he's like fought two guys with the winning record it was just the kind of the way it turned out but nick was obviously you know six first round finishes and and nick just gapped in the first round it was it was like a decent fight nick came back in the second got a takedown and fell off on top of him and you know nick only having fought like lower level guys on the regional scene and fighting him on three weeks when that kid had a full camp I was proud of him, you know that out back. You know Nick got stitches in his head after, and then we're sitting there waiting to go back to the hotel. And that kid still, forty five minutes after the fight was over, that kid was still dry. He being in a bucket out back because Nick pushed that kid as like as far as he could go. And I know Nick left the fight. He's like, yeah, I lost. He goes, okay, this was in the streets. He's like, I would have murdered him. You know, so it's like, you know, you kind of come away with like a silver lining sometimes, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what has to happen. Like sometimes it's just not your fight for whatever reason. Like you said, we had another guy, a gentleman on here, Shafi Hul, He's a kind of a good friend of ours now. He uh, made his Bellator debut on 10 days notice.
2: Mm.
0: And this is during the pandemic. So he like, he couldn't train with his trainers properly. It was like one trainer at a time. And it was just kind of weird. And he, he did well for like a very short minute replacement, but he told me he's like, bro, like, give me that guy one more time. And I have a full camp and not 10 days notice. That guy's my bitch. Yeah. So I feel like that's exactly what we're going to happen. That's going to be in store for Nick when he has a full training camp or to come back. I don't know what his odds are, but we're betting on him. Also shout out for pro sports podcasters. We bet what you can afford to lose Kobe.
1: Yeah, man. Like you can't always get it the way you want to get it. It's just a matter of what you do with it when you have the chance. Right. And I guess it's your job to make sure they make the most of every situation win or lose. You got to come at it with something.
2: Yeah. It's uh this isn't like other sports. There's no like season, there's no draft. There's no like, all right, I'm a senior in college. I'm going to enter the draft and then I'll start next August playing football. Like this isn't how it works. It's you get to a certain point where your record looks good enough. The matchmakers will give you some sort of feedback that the matchmakers are going to be like, they're going to be coy they're not gonna over promise and under deliver they're gonna under promise and over deliver you know mm-hmm. like they're not gonna say hey keep that guy ready i'm gonna sign him you know but they'll be like oh i like that kid like if anything pops up i'll you know i'll I'll let you know you know but you, you kind of get used to their language it's it's like you know they because they don't want to say like oh your guy's next then all of a sudden like
1: something comes up it
2: happens and then dana (laughs) says oh we need to sign this guy and then he lied to you you know so it's like they have to be very guarded with what they say they you know they don't always like can't control everything you know like maybe the next guy that gets hurt is on two days notice out in vegas and your guy wouldn't have gotten medicals in time so they have to be very like they let us know the the best they can that you're close so that way we can advise the guys hey listen like you're entering what i call mma purgatory which is you're good enough to go, but there's not a spot for you, and we have no idea when a spot will open. Yeah, but it's up to you to keep your weight low, stay in shape, and be ready when the call comes. And every fighter wants that call to come like today. They're like, "Oh man, is the call? What's going on? What's going on?" They're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. I'm like, "Man, just stay ready." I was like, "You want that call to come?" But the minute that call comes, they go from yes, yes, yes to Oh, I wish we had more time.
1: <laughs> yeah, <That's tough>. yeah. <laughs> more time is now.
2: You know, and it really is. That's why it's, it's purgatory. It's a it's a tough spot to be. Now but it's
1: like, hold on. In in your experience, Tyson, is there like an optimum number of fights to have per year, barring injury?
2: Three. Yeah. Yeah, because then you think like you train for eight weeks for a fight. You take the fight. You kind of take like you know the next month. You're kind of you're back in the gym after a week or two. You're kind of going through the motions. And then you ramp up for a couple weeks and then you're in another camp. That's three months, mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe your next camp is 10 weeks, you know? So you, you kind of, it gives you a, a perfect balance of like you fought three times, but you probably also had like a total of three months where you weren't training. Like you were in the gym, casually, not sparring, all that yeah. stuff and you're resting, you're getting mental recovery, but you're also active enough to stay, stay relative, not get ring rest. And make enough money you know
0: yeah no for sure money is the key thing uh all right there tyson i think it's going to kind of wrap up everything we kind of want to discuss today we do apologize for the technical issues that was uh clean feed Uh, but uh, before I let you go is there anything else you want to you want to say you want to shout out anything
2: no man, just uh, this Saturday at uh, on the Karate Combat YouTube page. Watch uh, Ross Levine; the main event in Karate Combat, defending his title. And then next Saturday, April eighth, uh, UFC two eighty seven. Rob Font is the feature bout on the uh, that means third to last on the on the pay per view. And um, yeah, man, just tune in and uh, support him.
1: Right on. will do. Thank you so much, Tyson. Where where do people follow the New England Cartel?
2: Uh, on Instagram, it's AnyCartelMMA on Instagram, or we get com. You can buy merch there or uh, kind of check in what's going on. Right on. Thanks for being on, buddy. Thanks, guys.
1: All right, man. Take it easy. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website, www.prosportspodcasters.com.
0: On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access
2: to our YouTube channel,
1: and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience, where no sport is left behind.